Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Progress of Unity podcast and it is a very special edition. Tonight I'm joined in the studio by Adam, Barry and Paul as normal and I've got three special guests. Caroline, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, not so bad. Uh, it's a very busy time in all, all walks of my life at the moment as I'm sure it is for Lisa. <laughs> Absolutely and yeah, we've got Lisa and Andy and Lisa, how are you doing? Hello, I'm okay. I'm just slightly distracted by what on earth is unfolding in the United States. But um, if we can sort out matters closer to home, that'll do me. Absolutely brilliant. And we've got Jonathan Jackson. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. All things considered, Simon, yeah, I'm fine. Excellent. Right, well, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Caroline to uh, get the ball rolling. And I think we're going to follow with Jonathan then Lisa, and then if we need anything else, we'll come back in at the end. So, Caroline, over to yourself. Uh, Okay, yeah. I mean, you've asked us to sort of talk a little bit about the last few weeks, months, and and what our roles have been in it and how our experience has been. Is that fair to say, Simon? That's what you want us to talk about? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Just get the ball rolling, yeah. I mean, from our perspective, in terms of the supporters club, obviously... Uh, we've been watching the social media channels and over the last few days been a lot of angry people, a lot of upset people. We're as upset as they are. You know, at the end of the day, we are fans and that's the only reason that we're part of the supporters club is because we're very, very passionate about Wigan Athletic and if we weren't, we wouldn't have been doing this job all the way through these last few months because it's not, you know, a nice thing to have to do at all. Um, But... Uh, just going back to the Spanish and what's happened over the last uh, 24 hours, you know, the social media posts were saying that supporters club didn't want the Spanish and we didn't go in with them and we won't get a seat on the board and things like that. You know, it's not the case that we didn't want the Spanish. We want Wigan to be pulled out of administration by a credible owner that's going to take us onto the next stage. But the fact is that the supporters club are custodians of, Eight, over £800,000 of other people's money and we take it very very seriously and it's very easy for people on social media to say oh do this with it or do that with it uh, or just put it in that they need it but of course you know if we have any doubts whatsoever about doing anything with that money it's not right to do it um, we always said we would speak to the Spanish once everything went through and the Spanish said that as well so the, the fact that we our statement said it all when we came out and we'd said we didn't we, we weren't able to commit the money to the to the um the spanish at that time that's that's what it was all about you know we just didn't have enough information and the time scales weren't right um so we didn't put that money in but we 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 left it that we were going to speak to them again and in actual fact we were con- we were contacted by the spanish representatives very recently um you know just saying it's all still ongoing. It's still going through and we want to meet with you after Christmas um, once it goes through and everything's okay um, so that we know what the supporters club's role is going to be. So, so there was never any uh, animosity or anything between us and the Spanish at all. And that's something perhaps we want to make clear. And people say, well, why don't you give us more updates? Why don't you tell us more things? It is absolutely true that I have signed uh, a non-disclosure agreement on behalf of the supporters club and that's so that we could get into the data room so um you'll know about the supporters solution which i'm sure jonathan might mention lisa might mention which we've been working on from the very start 
you know, in order to make sure that is been a possibility, we have to have the same access to, as the other bidders. So the supporters club, particularly me, signed that NDA so that we could access all the information to do our own due diligence on the process. And that means that we have to be really careful on what we say because it is a serious process. Um, we have our own legal representation. So, you know, um, we, we check things past our lawyers. We check things past the FSA. So it's not as easy as just coming out and saying something. We have to be really careful what we say. So I understand the frustrations of the fans uh, in terms of, you know, updates and things like that. Why can't we tell everything that's going on? We do try to tell them as much as we can, but it's been a really, really difficult process. Um, that's not to say we're not speaking to people and trying to put pressure on people to make things happen, but we don't want anything to happen. We want something right to happen. So we only put pressure on if we think that something's going wrong. So in terms of the administrators, the EFL, we have really good lines of communication with them. And that is the truth. Um, you know, we, they speak to us, both the EFL and the administrators. They have done through the, the process and they will continue to do that to give us updates. And if, if we think that there's something we need to ask them or highlight with them or bring it up with them or, you know, on behalf of the fans, then we have been doing that. Um, it's just that we can't always say what that is because of uh, the NDA, but also... A confident, you know, we've had confidentiality agreements with the Spanish. We can't disclose what what things uh, we're discussing because, like I said, you, we could literally be sued uh, for those things. Um, so, what what's coming next? I suppose is is the next bit. Um, you'll know from our statement that we have asked the administrators not to give uh, exclusivity. That's something that we feel over this period of time as as sort of held up proceedings has made it difficult in terms of you know we didn't know what for example when the afl said this bid is not going through uh, at, at the present state we didn't know at that point that moreno would take it on his, himself and we were sort of in limbo for a few days and we couldn't understand why the administrators wouldn't open it up to other bids at that time it's frustrating because they've got financial and contractual agreements with people once they've done that exclusivity. So whilst we don't think it's a good idea, that's not to say you'll, you'll seen Paul Stanley has said that it's something that they will still consider doing exclusivity. What we've asked is, you know, that they just keep those lines of communication open with us so that, we learn from as a as a as a group, you know, Jonathan, Lisa, myself, the administrators, the EFL, we learn from what's gone before to try to make sure that the next part of the process is timely, is smooth, and that, you know, it's positive for Wigan rather than, you know, what's gone before. So so that's what we're doing as a supporters club, keeping those lines of communication open and and you know, trying to take all the advice and pass that on to people and and the same back to us as well. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Um, uh, people have asked things like, do you have a preferred bidder? No, we don't. You know, if somebody turns up tomorrow with £20 million, puts in an account and says, we're going to get Wigan back to the Premier League, you know, that's what we, that's, we will stack them up. We don't have a preferred bidder. That's not why the supporters club are here, to have a preferred bidder. 
we're here to try to make sure that the club is saved and we will do that in one way or another um but we're not here to prefer to, to choose preferred bidders at this stage i don't know if there's anything else that i've missed well, Simon. <laughs> Well, there has been a couple of questions around the supporters club and I know we're going to come back to uh, majority, but why are you talking about the supporters club directly? Yeah. Um, there's, there's been a couple of questions around the donations and can yeah. the money be withdrawn if fans don't like the money being spent on anything other than the shares? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we would, we would ask fans not to withdraw the money at the moment. Obviously, it's their prerogative if they want to withdraw it. But, you know, at the moment, we are we're still in a situation where we may need to step in and save the football club. Um, we are not going to use that money. I can categorize. We're not going to use that money for any other reason than it was intended. We we're not going to go to the administrators tomorrow and say, here's £500,000, pay the wages, because that's not what it was raised for. We've raised that second crowdfunder in order to provide rewards in the new football club for our fans. So therefore, you know, if we start giving the administrators money like for bills and things, that's not going to happen. So the money will only be used for the purpose it was uh, raised for in the crowdfunder. Um, you know, we, we people are saying, oh, shall we go out to a vote to see what it's been, what it should be used for? Things like that. Is that what you're going to say next, Simon? Sorry. No, no, it, it, it is it is around the, the money though and the fund uh, the funding, yeah. and it's just yeah. uh, people want to know if all the money's still there. Has any of that money been spent, okay. or is it all still there? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, the first crowdfunder was just over two hundred thousand. I'll explain how how what's happened. So the first crowdfunder was just over two hundred thousand, and that money, if you remember, was used to fulfil the fixtures, and that was raised for that reason. So it was raised as a donation with no reward for whoever was donated, everything from one pence up to £500 was donated in that first crowdfunder. That went to the administrators and that has been guaranteed to return back to the supporters club once a sale has been made. And we have that in writing, we have that letter in writing. So that will return. And once that happens, if we're not involved in the process, if we don't buy a share, if whatever, then at that point we will consult the fans on how that would be used because it's not our money supporters club it's the fans money you know so that that money is not with us at the moment it's with the administrators but they've guaranteed that it would come back the second crowdfunder is in escrow with crowd uh, funder itself and uh, i need to mention murray again here because he's just been fantastic um, I think that our crowdfunder escrow is the longest period that they've ever held money in escrow for a, per, a, a company, particularly with no fees included. So we're still not paying any fees. And the, the entire of that 660000 is not being held by the Exposers Club. It's held in escrow by a company called Stripe. And um, if we need to draw it down, we will inform the fans why we're drawing it down. And if we need to refund it, it's a click of a button that we would do that and all the monies would go back to the donors. And, and we've said that throughout. We've been very, very transparent about that. You know, we're not holding the money. The money is there for that reason. And it's a, it's a, a safety net for our football club. Um, you know, it's it, I, I, the only 
other one I can liken it to is Portsmouth, and they did end up buying a, uh, the football club and the majority share. Um, I don't think there's any other football club that has raised so much money, and it's given us that safety net throughout the whole process. You know, what other football club have been involved to this level where the supporters club have been able to say, you know, find out and and and, and um, liaise with administrators, liaise with the football league on this, you know, and we, we're very, very grateful to the fans that they, that they raised that because it's given us that oversight for this whole process. And I, I, I genuinely believe if we hadn't raised that money, there would have been even less information coming out to fans, you know, because we wouldn't have had that that line of communication wouldn't have that insight. Yeah, and you know that's that's uh, that's great. And one thing I think other people want to, to know and understand is that have you guys, uh, supporters club, learned any lessons about the processes and the involvement involvement with the other bidders up to now? And is there anything you would change or do differently next time in discussions with future bidders? Um. Yeah, so we've. <laughs> I've said this a lot, and I, I think I'm quoting Paul Kendrick here when he says, um, "Many people have said I could write a book about what happened." Well, the supporters club could certainly uh, write a book. Um, you know, if we put it all together, it would be a bestseller with everybody Jonathan's story and Lisa's story and everything else. I think. Um, so we've learned so much about football generally. We've learned about, you know, the processes that go on with a football club and the reality of, of English football in terms of what it costs to run a football club, you know, and it's incredible um, the knowledge that we've gained and, and, um, and, and the reality of it. People just don't understand. And I think, you know, looking at Jonathan there, he's been running the football club for years. And I think it's fair to say that no one has a as a full understanding until they're inside it. Are they, Jonathan? You know, um, shaking his head. Sorry, we've not got visual. <laughs> um, so we've we have learned a lot in terms of would we? Do, did you say would we do anything differently next time or this time or yeah? I mean, it's very difficult when you're in the process to make sure you're making the right decisions. But we feel that we've done everything right so far. You know, we've taken so much advice. Um, we've, we've, and if the overwhelming advice is pointing towards a certain decision, we've gone with that. And you always have to have a bit of the element of luck. But the more advice you take from knowledgeable people, the more likely you are to be right. Um, so, so I, if I went back, I wouldn't do anything differently. I, I can't think of anything that we would do differently. Uh, going over the time because we, we've acted in the best way for the football club we have no we have no personal interests in this whatsoever it's all about the football club um what would we do different in the future as i said before we we, we have learned from the processes that's gone past and we're imploring the administrators of the afl to also learn it and in our communication that's what they've exactly what they've said they've said you know um we've learned from what's gone on over the past six months and we're keen to make sure that, you know, the process um, benefits from what we've learned going forward. So hopefully, you know, that will happen for everybody and then we'll get a timely, positive result over the next few weeks. That, that's, uh, that's, that's great. And I'd like to obviously invite Jonathan forward now to kind of build on what you said, Caroline. Um, and if there's anything else, Jonathan, that you can bring to the table 
Oh, well, first first of all, I, I can't really believe that it's six months since we went into administration and we're still here um, talking about administrators, talking about, you know, a very, very uncertain future. And that that's quite uh, demoralising and, uh, and upsetting, really, because we I think we all believe that it would be uh, solved and concluded a much, much sooner than this. Um, I think the last three months have, have been disappointing. I, I think... Uh, for whatever reason, uh, we've we've been in a, in a state of of of, of limbo, um, and and that's not helped the football club. And as we go into January, um, uh, it doesn't help us still being in administration with the restrictions that places on on our ability to recruit players into the squad, and the fact that we've had a number of young players, which is fantastic, making the debuts, um, but that has taken up places in the squad and. Uh, and so that, that we hoped that we'd be in a position now in January to, well, I say we, the football club will be in a position to, uh, to, to start looking at the squad and, and perhaps adding to it and strengthening it. Um, but of course, we're still in administration and, and, and that's, that's really tough to take, but that's where we are. Um, I guess in context for me, I would normally be talking about giving you the official view of the football club and talking from a, a position of knowledge and uh, and uh, from inside the football club. Unfortunately, I can't at the, I can't right now because um, the last six months, I guess for me, has been split into two. For the first three months, after I was made redundant, um, I stayed to help the, the administrators as much as I could, as much as they wanted me um, to... Um, to help them with with player sales, to help them with um, match operations and the day-to-day operations and also to support the staff that remained in a very, very difficult situation, not only in administration, but also uh, coronavirus as well. Um, That changed on the 1st of October. Um, I had an initial conversation with with the representatives of the Spanish group, uh, but after they uh, made their offer and, and received exclusivity, um, I didn't really have any contact with them after that. Um, and my role really became, became uh, redundant and, uh, and I haven't been involved over the last three months in terms of internally with the, with, the, with the administrators, with the club or with the prospective buyers as they were. So um, it's very difficult for me to, to add anything to what's gone on over the last three months. I, I can only probably... Um, say what what we've all seen. Um, I think uh, I think the FL have done a really really uh, solid and 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 sound job in the owners and directors test by ensuring that uh, the owners, the prospective owners, were suitable, were uh, were qualified, and had the necessary resources to be owners of Wigan Athletic, um, and. Whilst the administrators and the prospective owners um, submitted information to the EFL, it would appear that at no point was that information satisfactory for them to be approved. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that from a position uh, outside the football club, outside the process. So um, whilst the EFL get an awful lot of stick on social media from, from our supporters and from other supporters, um, I think they've applied the regulations and I think we, we should be... Uh, we should be grateful that they've done that and uh, and you know 
we never know how things may have turned out, but but I think that uh, they've applied the regulations, and I think that that's that, that's that's good to see, <clears throat> and I'm pleased that they've done that. Um, so it's it, yeah, for, the, for me, for the last three months, it's been difficult. It's been it's been uh, I, I've I've had lots of conversations with potential buyers um, who remain interested. I've had lots of conversations with staff. Um, the staff have been absolutely fantastic at the football club. I, I can't speak highly enough of them. There's there's fewer and fewer remaining. Um, but people like Andy Birch, the stadium manager, uh, people like Jamie and Lance, the ground staff who were who dealing with a pitch that didn't have any renovations. We all know about, we all know what a fantastic job Liam and, and Gregor Rioch are doing. Gregor Rioch is fulfilling about three different roles at the moment. Um, there's, there's academy coaches who are stepping up to be part of the first team. Uh, a lot of the medical staff have, have left and we've replaced them with temporary staff. Dr. Jonathan Torbin has been incredible. Not only has he he's got his responsibilities and his surgery and hospital, but he's, he's having to manage a football club in administration as well with, with minimal staff. Um, and, and then behind the scenes, you know, Sarah in administration. And I'm obviously going to forget people here, but, but HR, administration, um, uh, Richard in, in, in finance. Unfortunately, we, we have lost a number of really, really good staff that have been with us for a long time. Um, I think it's well publicised that the prospective owners um, were, were given access to the staff and to certain members of staff, they they told them that they were overpaid, I, I believe, and that uh, they would have to take a pay cut. Um, um, so as a first meeting with your prospective new bosses, I don't think that that was perhaps the right way to do it. Well, I know that wasn't the right way to go about things. Uh, and that had a, a huge impact on the staff who were already dealing with a very, very difficult situation. I don't think that should have happened. That's my personal opinion. Um, and unfortunately, since then, we've lost Nick Meese, uh, physio, who, who joined Stoke. We've lost Louise Kerrigan, head of HR. We've lost Nick Taylor in communications. We've lost Nicola Pye, who was uh, stadium operations, uh, and Andy Proct, who also met in our medical department, who joined Blackburn. These are key members of staff. We've not, we've not been able to replace them. And, and it's a real shame that no... I'm not saying that they all left because of, of the meetings that they had with the prospective owners, but actually I'm not sure that, that should, they should have ever taken place until they own the football club, if and when they own the football club. Um, and of course, staff will leave. We know that. We know that staff are going to leave because, because they're under enormous pressure, as a lot of people are. We've got to remember, got to put things in, in perspective. This is a football club we're talking about. There's a lot of things going on in the wider world that are, are, are very, very difficult for everybody um, um, but we're here to talk about the football club and uh, and I you know I, I think it's really important that, that the staff that I speak to on a regular basis and and it, I guess they reach out to me to, to try and find to see if I know what's going on to see if I can give them any information to help them to support them um, and and I'm doing that all the time which uh, is something that's, that's that's very important to me um, at the same time, as Caroline said, speaking with uh, Caroline um, regularly, um, offering my support and, and advice um, and doing the same with prospective buyers. In the event that we were back in this situation where, where we have no um, um, buyer that has um, an agreement with the administrators, 
we all knew that this could happen. So we, we were all prepared that uh, we'd have to be in this position and work again to ensure that this football club will survive. And, and one thing I'm 100% sure about is that they will survive. The FL have been very supportive uh, in this process and remains very, very supportive because they certainly don't want Wigan Athletic to, um, to fail midway through the season or at any time. Um, especially in a pandemic. So um, whilst we know the situation's uh, very, very difficult and challenging for the administrators and, and ultimately administrators normally go into a, a business that has run out of cash and they deal with a crisis, they either close it down or try and sell it on. Um, this is a very different type of business, I would suggest, because there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of people who have, have got interest in the football club and, and constantly expressing those views and opinions. Uh, and it, it's, 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 a, it's more than a business. It's something that's very, very important to people. So we know that it's a challenging situation and we basically just want to want to help in any way that we can. Um, and um, I've I had contact with the administrators yesterday, which um, which I was very pleased about. I've not spoken to them for a number of weeks. Um, and I said, look, I'm, I can help wherever I can. I've got 10 years of experience running this football club. If I can help, if you want my help, I'm here to do that. Uh, ultimately, my only concern is that this football club exits administration with the right owners who've got the long-term interest of the football club. Um, I was asked on social media yesterday, what, who are the right owners for the football club? What, what, what type of owners do we want? Uh, and to be honest, you know, I started thinking about all the things that I would like as a shopping list of, of owners, you know, a 10-year plan, investment in the academy, um, the community trust being um, uh, continued to be one of the leading lights in, 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 in the football league, um, uh, investment in people, investment in the, in the playing squad, uh, a sustainable long-term football club that involves supporters, that involves the community, all those good things. There's so much that, you, you know, that ideally we would like as an owner, but at the moment it's very, very difficult, difficult to, to ensure that we get an owner with all those values and, and, and share our passion and, 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 uh, and, and plans and, and, and objectives for the future. But, but we've got to try and ensure that, that the right person does end up being the custodian of the football club. And I think that, I think we'd all, want to do that and we can all hopefully do our bit to, to, to try and help that uh, happen. Um, at the moment, I know the administrators have given updates yesterday and today. We know the situation with, um, with the, the, the Spanish group, so they're no longer involved. Uh, we know there are a number of, of interested parties. I've had conversations with quite a few of them, lots of conversations. So now hopefully they, they can step up and... Uh, and put in a proposal that's uh, acceptable to the administrators, but also um, up, approved by the EFL, and we can do it quickly, hopefully before the end of January, because, as I said, the transfer window is is quite key. If it's not before the end of, of January, and we get the right people after that, well, that that's that, so be it. Uh, and uh, but ultimately, it, this is about the long term future of Wigan Athletic um, once we've secured. Uh, the exit out of administration, and and I think it's it's great that the supporters club have had a real part to play in this. Um, um, all the main stakeholders from the council who've been excellent, the EFL, um, 
Lisa, the administrators, everybody reaches out to the supporters club now, which you know is 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 great to see uh, as part of a football club. We'd rather not be in this situation, but but I can I can assure you that the, the supporters club are representing the supporters in in a, in, a, in an excellent fashion and and uh, and really protecting the football club. So that's that's basically my six months. Um, um, on a positive note, I've I've enjoyed watching um, the streams of our young players, of our academy players, and making up most of the squad um, out of necessity. But fantastic to see Kyle Joseph and Tello Asgard, Adam Long, and and a number of players becoming first team players in their own right. If any other Football clubs are listening to this. Uh, they're, they're, they're not they're not ready for uh, league football at all. I wouldn't even waste your time watching them. But uh, but they are they have been fantastic to watch, and uh, it, it's it's just great to see the academy and the work that Gregor and the staff have done at the academy has saved this football club. The, the sales of Alfie and, and Jensen and and Joffy saved this football club in the short term. But the ability to put a team out. Uh, and, and be competitive at this level. This team of 19, 20, 21 year olds has been has been great to see, and and you know that's been in a very very dark difficult time. That's been a, a pleasure to watch. We've not, of course, we've we've not won all the games, and uh, and we've had some difficult times losing to Chorley and and uh, and of course losing to Rochdale at home. But but they're resilient. Um, they are. They they they. You know, just you can just see they're enjoying being part of of, of, of the club, being part of the team, and uh, and it's a pleasure to watch. It's just a pity there's no crowds there to uh, to enjoy it. But <clears throat> but yeah, as a fan, it's been great to watch. Yes, I'd I'd rather be challenging at the top of the championship and not not at the bottom of League One. But but it's been a fabulous effort by the coaching staff, by the support staff, and and the players, um, and. You know, there's, there's a long way to go in this season yet um, and there's been a lot of uh, things to be positive about, a lot of things that have been difficult to watch, but a lot of things to be positive about. So it's uh, the, the focus off the pitch is, of course, to get out of administration, which ultimately is the is the role of the administrators. But on the pitch, the, the, the players have, uh, have, have done the club proud. We know what to say, Jonathan. If you let Latix gel, they go anywhere. Let them gel. That's what we Let need. Them gel, absolutely. And and uh, and after the you know after the, after the first few games, it, it with young players you have to let them gel, and and you you do because they they're they're developing, they're building their experience all the time, and you can see that you can see the players grow, and we we haven't done that enough over the past ten years. We haven't been able to, the, the managers haven't had the confidence or perhaps the time. To, to put in the, the young players and see whether they were good enough. And, and, and you can see if they play the games and they've got the, the raw talent which they have, then, then they, they, they blossom. And as you say, don't sell no one, let them gel, I believe is the, is the quote. Absolutely. Caroline, did you want to come back in um, on the end of Jonathan's section? I mean, one thing I wanted to say there when he was talking about young players was that uh, you'll have seen the news. I've been doing live lessons with some of my uh, GCSE students, and some of they've been following the Wigan uh, story. Some of the well, many of the boys, and the, the, they're going to listen to this podcast. But they all offered to play for Wigan for free. 
Um, so, you know, anybody, any of my year 11 boys out there yet, yeah, I'm sure that uh, we'll snap you up and, and you can play for free for us, no problem. Um, I, what Jonathan said about um, the staff at the football club um, is absolutely true. And, and naturally, you know, again, their lives have been thrown into turmoil again by this process yesterday. Um, and they are doing a sterling job. Uh, the, some of the performances we've had have been fantastic by the young, uh, the young players, but it takes um, a, a good set of people behind them to make that all happen. Uh, you know, um, Adam's just saying here, I can also play for free. I'm not sure we'd sign you, Adam. I don't know how good you are. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, you know, from, from the fans, we want to say thank you to all those staff. And, and it, is, it is absolutely gutting that we've, that we've lost some of those staff. I know that Nick Taylor uh, finished, uh, you know, last week and he had hundreds of messages of support um, when he left last week because, because you know, we're, we've always been a big family, haven't we? Everybody knows each other and it's, it's really, really sad that that's happening. But on a positive, hopefully we will come back and, um, and you know, um, hopefully the next chapter will be positive for Wigan and be the best for us as well. But I'd just like to thank Jonathan as well um, and Lisa, as he said, the council, everybody who's been involved in this. We did this last time on the podcast and the committee of the supporters club as well because they're all volunteers and they all have day jobs. And when people are saying, um, you know, why are you not putting a statement out? It's took you 40 minutes so far. Well, that's probably because everybody is working at the same time as doing this job, you know, um, and some of the things we've accomplished together have been fantastic. So, you know, we'll, we'll get there in the end. So, yeah, thank you to everybody who's, who's supported the club throughout this time. Simon, so, mean, if I can just add to Caroline, I, I share supporters' frustrations um, not knowing what's going on. And, and I've, I've experienced that as well over the last couple of months. It's so difficult being on the outside and, and guessing and waiting for news, waiting for, you know, something to happen, waiting for, for news of, of what's going on. It's difficult because you have conversations and a lot of those conversations are confidential you, and, you, you know, you can't go out betraying those confidences. Also, you, you know, you, you're not, you might be told something, you don't know whether it's actual fact and so you don't want to start speculating I think it's important that information is is communicated properly and, and professionally um, to the fans. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not in control of that. Um, that's that's the administrator's job to do that. Um, and they will they will hopefully communicate when there are things to say. Um, but it, I do share supporters' frustration. It's not that we don't care. It's not that that we that we like keeping secrets. It's it's. Just if you're part of the process, um, then then it's it's very difficult to speculate and predict and say things which you know you you might you might look stupid the next week. It's also very very difficult to criticise people, and you might hold views personally, but you don't want to go out there and criticise people because look, people are people are all, are, are doing are doing um, the right thing for Wigan Athletic. You hope and 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 we all hope that this will have a successful conclusion, which I am sure that it will. But uh, I, I just wanted to say that because it's not easy for, for Caroline in the position that she's in that, you know, to, 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 to give a running commentary on, on the situation. But, but please be assured that uh, 
people are doing the right things for the right reasons at all times. Spot on. And thank you. You know, we extend our thanks as, as fans for all the work that uh, everyone's doing um, with you guys and obviously at the club. Lisa, I'm going to bring you, yourself in now. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to discuss on the back um, of what's already been said? So I, apart from the fact that when you just had that little exchange with Jonathan talking about what was actually happening on the pitch, it just reminded me of how nice it is to talk about football and not talk about money bidding processes, regulations, which is basically all we've been talking about for the last six months. And I can't wait for this to be over and for us to be able to get back to actually just enjoying this all again. But um, I guess a few things that I just wanted to add to that. First of all, you know, I, I just add to what Jonathan and Caroline have said about how I know that this news this week has been really quite shocking and really frustrating for fans. And for a lot of people, it feels like we've gone right back to square one. And it's right to say that we shouldn't be here at this stage. We should be in a much better position. But from my point of view, these media reports, especially national media reports about the entire club being plunged into turmoil this week are just completely wide of the mark. The truth is that the club has been in turmoil for the last six months. And thanks to the efforts of a lot of people, not least the supporters club, who have been absolutely amazing, but also the staff, as Jonathan said, the players, the fans, you know, everyone who's stepped forward and helped when they've been asked to, whether it's the council or most of all, from my point of view, Jonathan, who's just always been there at the end of a phone, just keeping things going. And is, to be honest, one of the only people in the process that everybody trusts. So has been able to keep that conversation and that dialogue going at really critical moments. It, you know, even we've, we've, we've managed to get through this, but it's not been easy. And the club is in a much weakened state than we were six months ago. And it's not the decision this week that's done that. It was the decision that was made last year to put the club into administration with all of the knock-on effects that that had. And, you know, I think it's really important for people to understand the kind of background to this over the last few months. I've met with the Spanish Consortium on a number of occasions. I've had, had Caroline and Jonathan, uh, the council's met with them as well. We speak, we all speak regularly to the EFL. Um, I spoke to them this morning, I did Caroline. And I would just say that it was far from certain that this bid was going to be approved. In fact, in my opinion, and I, I can't preempt decisions that the EFL hadn't made, but I think it was increasingly unlikely that the bid was going to be approved. And so it was getting quite desperate, to be honest, for those of us who were involved in the process, because we were in this kind of pro like process of attrition where we were still losing good players, we were still incurring costs, and yet it felt like we were completely stuck and had been stuck for several months with no obvious end in sight. So this decision this week that's been made to break uh, the contract with the Spanish consortium and to start talking to other bidders, from my point of view, this now opens up the prospect that we could actually get things moving again. And as frustrating as that is six months down the line, um, that's what we've got to now focus on. And I think just to say about the EFL, because they've come in for a lot of stick as well, but never have they uh, refused to take my calls or anybody else's calls. They've tried to keep us as informed as they possibly can legally. Obviously, they've got to be, they've got to be, uh, they've got to respect for confidentiality, but they've tried to keep us, and particularly the, the supporters club, 
as informed as they possibly can through the process. But there were serious concerns that, that were raised with them about whether the people involved should pass the fit and proper persons test. I'm not making any comment on that. I'm not privy to a lot of the, the, the private information that they see, but those concerns had to be investigated. And as you saw in the case of at least one individual, they decided that that, that threshold hadn't been met. There were also concerns that had been raised about the financial forecasts, and there were concerns about the structure um, and management of the club going forwards. And I think for all those fans who wanted to see it, want to see a resolution to this, it's just really important to know that we could have got an approval. It's possible that that would have been approved and we would have had a club for another six months. But whether we would have had a club beyond that, I, you know, those questions were not answered. They were not able to be answered and they have to be answered before the club is transferred into new ownership because we've seen what happens if they're not. And I've seen it particularly close to home because my step family uh, live in Bury, where my stepdad was a lifelong season ticket holder. And I don't ever want us to go through what um, Bury FC fans have gone through or other clubs as well. So, you know, the prospects of getting a, a, a long term solution to this and a secure future for Wigan Athletic, I think we're actually in a better position now than we were 10 days ago. And that is not something I would say lightly, but I think that is true. And um, I secondly just wanted to say that um, this morning I spoke to the EFL. I know that Caroline's been in regular touch with them as well. And um, we, um, uh, one of the things that they were very keen to reassure me about is that they want to see Wigan Athletic survive. They know it's a good club. They know it deserves to have a good future. We discussed sources of funding that might be available to keep the club going um, while we remain in administration. And they were very encouraging on that front. Um, they also made it absolutely crystal clear, despite what you might have read in the media, that they will consider several bids at once. So if the administrators did want to, to submit several bids in order to expedite the process, they would be more than happy to look at them together. Uh, I've spoken to two of the potential bidders in the last 24 hours. I know that Jonathan and Caroline have had contact with others. I've got a list here in front of me of... Um, a number of bidders who have been in touch with us all over the last couple of months who remain interested you know you don't just keep ringing up the local MP to say has anything happened have there been any developments if you're not a serious bidder there are people that we know who have money who has um who have a desire to buy Wigan Athletic. And one of the things that I've been talking to them about is just trying to make sure that we get those bids in as quickly as possible. I spoke to the administrators earlier today as well. Um, they're very keen to get bids in. They've, they've gone out to potential bidders again and asked for those bids to be resubmitted. And we discussed the, the issue about exclusivity that Caroline mentioned. I very much support the supporters club in saying that we shouldn't be granting exclusivity to one bidder or another. We need to get on with this now. Um, we have a difference of opinion with the administrators about that. I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, trying to be fair to them because they're not on this call, but I think their point of view is that bid other some bidders might be put off by not being offered exclusivity. And I, th I thought that was a fair point to make, but I still think that they ought to be considering um, allowing several bids to go forward if that becomes a viable prospect. Um, and I also wanted to talk to them about the potential, if there are several bids that come forward in the next few days or weeks, whether they can have a look at those bids and see if they can give priority to ones that 
uh, look sound, that look far more likely to pass the EFL's tests because very complex bids take a lot longer to approve and whether they've got the scope to do that. They said they do have the scope to do that. Whether they do that, of course, is up to them, but I've been pushing them very hard to do it. I just guess finally what I would say is that it's felt to me, and in fact, I think it's fair to say that we've been locked into a process for the last three months that has been going absolutely nowhere. And it's been a a huge waste of time and energy. And it's been deeply, deeply frustrating from the inside to watch unfolding. So I can't even imagine what it's been like to watch this happening from the outside. It's not been very helped by the fact that a lot of the information that is put into the public domain, in my experience over the last six months, is just simply not true. A lot of the information that is fed through journalists onto social media and into the papers um, and other forms of media is sent out there by people who have some kind of skin in the game. They have some kind of interest in a particular outcome. And that I would just say to people that we're careful about what we say because we don't want to, to, you know, like Caroline said, we can be sued, um, but also we need to make sure that people still talk to us and that we can keep that dialogue going. So there's got to be an element of trust and confidentiality there. But I really wanted to thank the fans podcast for what you've done because you've given us a platform and an ability to talk directly to the fans through this process and to say what we can say and to explain why we're not saying more. And I would just say, listen to podcasts like this. Don't believe all of the stuff you read in the media because most of it in my my um, experience is complete and utter rubbish. Um, and lastly, I would just say that there is a lot to say about all of this when it's over, when we've secured the club's long-term future. And I promise you that it will be said um, and that we will do, we will take everything that we've learned over the last six months for, for better or worse and use it to make sure that not just Wigan, but other clubs don't end up in this situation in the future but for now we're just absolutely focused on getting a resolution to this and safeguarding the future of Wigan Athletic and I do still feel confident that we'll do it it's been a hell of a roller coaster ride uh, there have been times where we thought we'd cracked it and we hadn't there have been times when we've been absolutely in despair and on the phone to each other saying where do we go from here but the people that are involved in this are absolutely second to none there's not a single person whether it's Caroline or Jonathan or um, Alison who's the Chief Exec of the Council who haven't just picked up the phone the minute that I've rung them and the EFL as well um, and said uh, what do you need and that I don't know that there are many clubs who could say the same actually Um, so I just wanted to to give that level of reassurance and also give my thanks to everyone who's been involved so far because I honestly think there have been moments when this club could have fallen over and it hasn't because of the efforts of everyone concerned and we're going to keep going and make sure that it doesn't. No, thank you very much. And uh, I think that brings us in nicely to, uh, you, I mean, you guys have covered a lot of, of, of the uh, questions that were raised on uh, social media and that we've had directly through to ourselves. But there are still some areas that uh, people would like to, us to delve into. Um, so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off and I'll bring the other guy to the panel in so it's not all just uh, the four of us. We'll have, we'll have a few more nicer voices maybe or maybe not. Um, the first one, Jonathan, I'm going to come to yourself on this one um, from a footballing point of view because I'm going to send the next one to Caroline and Lisa. With with the developments this week, is relegation now assumed? Now, for me, it's not. We've always got a fighting chance. What's what's your opinion from someone you know inside the game? Absolutely not assumed. No, we were um, we were. I, I, 
can't remember the league table, but we're 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 only a couple of points away from safety. Um, we're I think form wise we're in the top ten. Yes, we've lost a few players uh, this week. Uh, Callum Lang's return from Motherwell, which is great. The young players are getting better and better, um, and and as a team, you can see them getting stronger all the time. We are weaker because of uh, unfortunately because we've lost some players, and and uh, and I believe Cal Naismith hasn't gone yet. But I know it's been reported that he he could be going, um, and that would be a blow. But um, it, it's going to be difficult to replace players, as I've said, in administration. Uh, but I know that. Gregor and Liam um, are working very hard to solve that particular conundrum and how best to ensure that uh, we've got the best possible chance of, uh, of remaining in League One this season. And by no means is it, is it assumed it's going to be a challenge. Of course it is. But uh, I think uh, the, the team and the staff are determined to, uh, to uh, make sure that we, we've got the best possible chance of, of avoiding relegation. I think we had a bit of good news, really, with the Cal Naismith situation, with uh, Mick McCarthy being sacked at Applewell today. So that could give us a bit of a stay of execution. Obviously, we've got no games due to COVID, but uh, if we can get yeah, through to I, January. I would normally be able to give you a bit more of an insight, but unfortunately, I, I, I just don't know what yeah. the situation is with Cal, unfortunately. Um, I, I hope he stays, because I think uh, I think we're, we're obviously the better team with Cal in the team, uh, whichever position he, he, he plays. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can retain his services. But at the same time, I understand why 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 the senior players might might be tempted to uh, to look at other opportunities out there, and uh, and that's that's only natural. Yeah, no, no, I fully agree. And um, it's probably a question for you all. This one is the biggest threat to the club's survival short term: the cash flow, irrespective of interested bidders. And what is the current running cost? Does does the match stream money go directly to the running cost, or does it go to the admin? Um, and if if it doesn't, if it goes towards the running cost, how important is it for fans to be buying these match passes? I, I think it's difficult for any of us to answer that because we haven't got a, a visibility on the finances. Um, even the staff don't have visibility on the finances. That's all no controlled um, and administered by the administration uh, administrators. So um, I, I can't give you a, uh, an indication of what the running costs are. Now, I do know that we're not generating uh, any significant income apart from streaming and from the retail um, and from central distributions from the EFL uh, and solidarity from the Premier League. So obviously ticket sales um, and... Uh, other commercial income uh, has been decimated this season. So we are, are we are we in danger of running out of cash? I don't know. Only the administrators could answer that from my perspective. Um, I do know that, as Lisa said, the EFL will be very supportive. Um, we are still receiving the EFL payments, as I understand. Um, but it is important that you know people do buy the, the streaming passes because that, of course, every penny that's spent at the club goes towards the running costs and, and uh, helping us to to survive each day. So whilst, whilst not having the, the, the right answer to, for you, Simon, um, I, I think it's difficult for us to say exactly what the situation is. No, that, that's fair enough. Caroline, yeah? I think uh, I'll just reiterate what Lisa and Jonathan has said. 
Um, one of the things in the last sort of 24 hours that we've broached with the EFL is, is cash flow and making sure that um, the administrators have um, what's needed, basically. So like Jonathan said, the EFL uh, will be very supportive to make sure that, um, you know, we're not another berry. And, and that's something that we can do, Lisa, myself. We can just make sure we communicate with the EFL and what's going on. And um, hopefully they'll be able to support us and help us in that. So, you know, whilst it's not something we would say don't worry about, we are, we are all over that if, wherever, wherever we can, you know. But it, it, it certainly can't last forever and we can't continue in administration for, for, you know, a number of months. Uh, I'm sure that we'll get to the end of the season. Um, I'm saying I'm sure we'll get to the end of the season. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it, I can't foresee a position where we, we don't get to the end of the season. But, you know, this has to be this has to be resolved very, very quickly. Um, uh, but there are a lot of stakeholders and interested parties um, that will help us to ensure that that will happen. Spot on, and uh, thank you, thank you for giving the, uh, the information on what you what you can in that uh, that area. Paul, I'm going to come to you now. Um, yeah, this question for Jonathan, and very much in that, what information you can give in this area, I suppose. Um, we've we've had a guy raise a point that in May and early June of 2020, a number of fans raised concerns about the proposed restructuring taking place within the club. Um, to the point where they contacted the EFL. Um, and then the question is, if fans with limited information could see the danger, obviously retrospectively now, um, why did those in control of the club not see the danger? And if they did, what did they do to try and stop it? Um, I, I would just word that. Is there anything that you can tell us around the entry into um, administration? Re um, that is a long story. Uh, that really is. Uh, I, I, IEC back in November 19 um, indicated that they no longer wanted to fund us, um, but they had uh, uh, decided that they would sell us, but they had a, a buyer uh, who they were acquainted with, uh, who they'd negotiated with, and, and he was prepared to buy 50% of the football club. Now, unfortunately, as executives, um, there is very little that we can do if the shareholders want to sell the shares to whomever they, they, they want to, as long as they are approved by the EFL. So whilst we can, of course, raise concerns, you know, in effect, you're saying to people that you're relying on to send money over because that was the situation that we were in, they had approved a budget that was competitive in the championship. They had approved a budget that, that uh, meant that they had to invest money each month into the football club. Um, and that was agreed when they bought the football club and it was agreed at the beginning of the season. Um, and so we're relying on, on, on the owners to send over money every single month to pay the wages, to pay the running costs. Um, we were in the bottom three of the championship and, and I don't think the owners were satisfied that, that, that they were getting the money's worth. So they told, they informed us that they were going to sell the club. That was in November. Of course, you can raise concerns, and you, you, but ultimately, it's very difficult to stop that happening. We were, we were given the details of, of the new ownership structure. We, we submitted those to the EFL. The EFL asked the, the questions that they needed to ask. Um, in line with their regulations and the new owner 
um, submitted proof of funds, um, and all the all the new directors um, were approved by the EFL. Um, now, if if that person, it then that took from November to to May before approval was given. So I mean, that's a five month process. Albeit we 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 entered into the the, um, the pandemic at that 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 stage, but um, the EFL did their job in line with the regulations. Now, if if that new owner, when he get, gets control of the club, uh, decides a month later to not invest any of the money that he said he was going to invest and actually put us into administration without telling us, then there's very little that we can do if we've got 24 hours notice. Was I was I comfortable? Was I happy with with the change of ownership? Um, no. And I was I was aware of the, the concerns that the fans had. Um, but ultimately I had to I had to try to manage the situation the best that, that I could. Um, you go off what people tell you, you you, you do your own due diligence. Um, and ultimately we were we were assured that um, we had the funds for the next two years. We'd seen the funds and you know, we'd, we'd seen proof of the funds. So we, we were planning for the next two years. Um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a huge shock on the 30th of June to be told that we're going into administration. In hindsight, of course, you know, you, 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 you see the signs, you see um, what happened. The, the, the month of June was very, very turbulent in terms of board meetings, in terms of um, having communications with our new um, owner and in inverted commas and uh, it, it was it was a very difficult uh, period um, even though we were, were playing football um, the actual what was going on behind the scenes uh, was um, a little bit eye-opening and, and eye-watering so um, as, as a as a as somebody that's very passionate about the football club and cares a lot about it it was concerning but ultimately, you're reliant on the owners to do what they say they will do and fund the football club based on, on an agreed budget um, that had been a, a agreed a number of times. And you ask for reassurances. You ask for, you know, during those conversations, you have the ability to and the opportunity to speak to those owners. When they're not here, that's the only opportunity that you have. Um, I never met Mr. Al Young. I only met Stanley Choi once. Um, I never met the other members of the board because they were always based based in Hong Kong. So the only opportunity we had was at board meetings. Very difficult to to build a relationship and and also to form a judgment to people when you when you've only got that line of communication. Um, there's probably many things I would do differently, um, and there's certain things that I can and can't say. But um, I I. I can only say that you know I, I, I'm I'm horrified at what's happened. Um, I was chief executive when it did happen, um, and you know I I, I I I bear that responsibility. But ultimately, I asked myself, could I have done anything about it? And, and ultimately, I don't think I could. Yeah, I I, I personally absolutely appreciate that. You know, if <laughs> if you're not the one with the money, you're just there uh, doing the best you can with what you've been supplied, aren't you? Yes, and we were talking about huge amounts of money that's, that, yeah. that we needed to run the football club at that time, um, which always made me uncomfortable uh, when we were running a, a, a losses of 10, 15 million pounds a year. That never, that never sat right with me. Um, but however, the, the owners 
wanted Premier League football. And to do that, you have to have uh, players that are capable of winning football matches at that level. And unfortunately, they proved that they were, but it was too late. Um, I think the owners had already made the mind up. Um, and uh, and whilst we'll never know what would have happened this season, we I think we had built a team that was capable of challenging much higher up the league this season. And that's that's the heartbreaking thing about it. You know, I think if the, the other thing is that to put us into, I think the owners were, in my opinion, were badly advised to to take the action that they did because I think there were assets on the pitch. As we've seen every time Jamal Lowe scores a goal and Kiefer Moore scores a goal, Nancy Robinson plays in the Premier League, we had assets that were worth um, significant transfer fees, albeit in a challenging market. Um, and if we'd have got to the end of the season, we'd have stayed in the Championship, we had about assets to monetize, um, and we could have easily got ourselves out of the situation without owner funding um, and restructured the club and restructured the budget. But of course, we weren't given the opportunity to do that. We weren't given the opportunity to, to express an opinion and uh, to provide those solutions. We were just told what the solution was and it was pretty brutal, unfortunately. Um, but we will we will come back. We will, we will return. Um, the people that have put us in this situation um, clearly didn't care about the football club or the people involved, the stakeholders, the supporters, the staff. Um, when they did what they did, they chose to do that. Um, and it, it's hurt a lot of people, but we are where we are. We, you know, we will, we will of course reflect and and, and learn from what's happened. And right now, we've got to look forward to um, to make sure that uh, a it never happens again, and b to survive and rebuild. Yeah, completely agree. Thanks, Barry. Lisa, um, you said that the administrators said a bidder might be put off by not being given exclusivity. But surely by giving someone exclusivity, you've got the possibility of losing three or maybe even four bidders, as, as we've seen. And I think that's a pretty weak argument from the administrators. And personally, I think um, they've been quite poor in this process. And I just wondered if, if, if you thought that they've been a little bit unprofessional. Uh, I'll just give you an example now that uh, one of the administrators arguing with fans on a Friday night on Twitter about what's going on at the club, uh, for me, just doesn't sit right. I mean, I guess, you know, what we've tried to do throughout this process is have a good dialogue with everybody involved and because that is in the best interest of the football club. So, of course, there are times when we disagree with what people are doing in this process, but in the end, we need everyone to come together and make the right decisions and share information and keep that dialogue going in order to get the right outcome for the club and so I mean you'll have seen Barry quite a few times the, the some of the administrators have had things to say about me during this process but you know that's not really my concern my concern is the decisions that they make in relation to the club and so continuing to talk um, and continuing to try and sort of impress on them what we believe is in the best interests of the club is much more important than having a, an argument about decisions that they may or may not have made. And I guess, you know, the other thing is that I, I suppose I hadn't fully appreciated until I got involved in this when the club was put into administration, just how little control the fans have, the supporters club have, um, the staff have, um, 
local MPs, the council, the, the control passes to the administrators at the point at which the club goes into administration. They are the people who make decisions. And although they can choose to act in the best interests of the club, their primary consideration is about getting a sale for that club. Um, and, you know, I've seen, I've seen many times when, and we've, we've talked to other football clubs who've been in this situation over the last few months, and there have been many times when administrators have said, well, what happens to the club after we've sold it is not our concern. Our concern is selling the club and we want to get the best price. Now, you know, obviously we've got a completely different set of priorities. We want to make sure we get the right buyer and that we secure the club's long-term future. Um, and so there've been times when we've been in the same place as the administrators. And there've been times when we've been at odds with the administrators in terms of what we're trying to achieve. But from my point of view, We've just got to keep that conversation going. We've got to keep talking to them and impressing on them what we need to see happen next. And I think there'll be many things that we learn from this process and that come out the other side. I can promise you I'm going to have quite a lot to say about that when this is over. But at the moment, I just don't feel it's in the interests of the club or the town for, for us all to be playing a blame game when what we most need is for everyone to get behind the same goal which is saving Wigan Athletic so um have me back on when this is over and I might have a bit more to say but I just you know I, I feel that this is a I also feel I don't want to make excuses for anybody I think you know people have made mistakes people have made the wrong decisions during this process there are and the but the the bigger issue for me is that the system is just not set up to protect the interests of football and to protect the fans. I've just seen nowhere in this process has that been put first. And when I speak to senior people in the footballing world, as I now do often, they all agree, they all acknowledge that that is the case. And they all acknowledge that the system is just not fit for purpose. It's fundamentally broken in terms of what football should be about and what it stands for. Everybody knows it. In the political world, people know it as well. We've had report after report after report telling us that that's the case, and yet nothing's been done. So I don't know. I think I said at the beginning that when this is over, I'm going to make it my mission to put like football and the fans back at the heart of this game. And like you can hold me to that. Um, but for now, we've just got to make sure that we, we put this club first and, and deal with the immediate crisis in front of us. And the other thing I would just say to Paul... Um, about the question that you're asking about to Jonathan before about kind of what had happened at the outset of this and the the Al Young takeover and so on is that the, the EFL of course have been doing their own investigations into this and at some point I think a lot of that will be made public um, and that may help us not only to to tell a fuller picture about what's happened to Wigan Athletic, but also to understand the lessons from that so that we make sure that this doesn't happen to us or anybody else again. I was speaking to the chair of the AFL about that yesterday, um, but I'm very keen that we don't lose sight of that. It's not our immediate priority right now, but that is something that is going to continue to be important to us. Yeah, um, just just before I leave the blame game, uh, <laughs> which I will do, um, <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of supporters, I think, they're just after a bit of good news, really. And sometimes, you know, some of the administrators talking to the press don't give that impression that, that they want to give good news. Um, have you got any good news that you could share with us that would perhaps give us a little bit of hope for the coming, you know, few weeks ahead? Um, 
Well, I, I mean, I guess just to sort of sum up some of the things that we've said through this podcast is that we've come out of three wasted months where we've been frankly going around in circles. We've been absolutely stuck with bidders still saying that they're interested but unable to break into the process and with a, a, a potential takeover that just felt increasingly like it was going absolutely nowhere. And we've come out the other side of that with the club still here, still going. And like Jonathan said, with the players doing some amazing things and we've now got the prospect of moving forwards. We've spoken to a number of bidders. There is interest. We haven't got any, uh, the administrators told me today, they haven't got any bids on the table now, but that, you know, this only happened sort of 24 hours ago. So I fully expect that there will be bids coming in. And I also spoke to them about the supporters club option, the sort of plan B option that um, the supporters club put together last year. And they, they're very receptive to that as are the EFL. So there is always that option. And that's the reason that Caroline and others worked so hard to put that together is to make sure that we do not allow this club to fail and that there is that safety net option as well. So, I think there's every reason to be optimistic now. The next few weeks, like Jonathan said, are absolutely critical. There's no room for complacency. But I think there is every reason to be optimistic that we can get a buyer in. And I guess the last thing I would just say about that is that there have been times in this process where I have felt that there are different people in the process sort of pulling in different directions. It feels to me now that everybody wants to get this done and wants to get this done quickly um, and wants to get a good outcome. So... That, that gives me a bit more optimism than I've had for quite a long time. It sounds like an odd thing to say, to say I'm more optimistic now than I have been for a while, but that's because we've been we've been stuck and it's been really frustrating not to be able to say any of that to the fans who were just you know praying and hoping that this bid would go through. But I think now we're in a position where we can be more honest and open about what, where we've been and we can be much more constructive about what we do next. Does that work? I can't, do you know, oh, I wish I could just say, actually, I've got a text message here and it's solved and it, we can crack open the beers, but it's, you know, we're not there yet, but I feel, I feel we, sh we can get there. And uh, Barry, on that, can, you know, can I say that um, we, I mentioned before about the administrators saying they've learned from the, the process so far. Um, I, I've just been reading on Twitter that um, people are saying, oh, first person with a deposit will get exclusivity and, you know, all this sort of thing. Like Lisa said before, you know, don't always um, listen to what is being sort of touted on Twitter. Um, the administrators, Lisa, myself, Jonathan, we've spoken to them a couple of times over the last 24 hours and that it's clear that they want the lines of communication between us who have a, you know, a stake, a positive um, influence on the football club they want us to be involved and they want to speak to us that's not to say that we'll decide in any way shape or form but um, as long as communication's open we'll get to that goal eventually um, so so you know I, I'm convinced that we'll find the right person and uh, you know the administrators will work with us on that um, I'm going to cross-examine you now Caroline oh okay <laughs> Bloody joking. Yeah, uh, so I've got I just got a uh, question for Caroline and then just a couple of general questions for the rest of the panel. Obviously, you've been in throughout the process and obviously Lisa's been involved in this as well. And I'm assuming Jonathan in terms of discussions with uh, Portsmouth and Ashley in particular, who we've had on the podcast 
a few few weeks ago where we had Lisa on the podcast and I, I called it at the time we were in a stalemate, you know, that we didn't really know. The EFL didn't necessarily want to turn them down without uh, good reason. Um, the administrators were concerned about having to pay the costs in administration. It just seemed like we're in a bit of a stalemate. And the one way we thought that it could be broken is by the Portsmouth model. Is there anything is there anything that we don't have that Portsmouth did have in a sense? Because my 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 always my, my thing about a fans model is who's gonna who provides the proof of funding for for a fan for a fans model? You know, who who's gonna actually guarantee that we can um, you know we can meet our uh, financial obligations for uh, for two years? Because if that can be done, then for me that buys us some time and allows the fans in collaboration with whoever the other investor might be to actually find good owners rather than the administrators who at the moment, I'm not trusting them as far as I can throw them in terms of what they are doing in the process. So is there a way that we can get a Portsmouth model at Wigan Athletic? Um, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Portsmouth model, um, first of all, they did have quite a lot more money than us. Um, they had, I don't know if you know this, but Portsmouth were in administration for the record amount of time, uh, 14 months. And um, they, well, they, all- had, they had, sorry, just to interject there, they had uh, Trevor Birch in, didn't they, who, uh, as, as he said, he was really, really good as an administrator and very helpful. Yeah, I mean... If you, I'm sure you, I don't know if you, you mentioned, Ash mentioned at the time, how much the administration cost costed there. I don't know if you mentioned that. No. Uh, but they were, he was, Trevor Birch was significantly frugal um, with with the administration cost there. Um, so, so I believe they were, you know, quite low in comparison to other administrators of football clubs. Um, but secondly, there were, there were things that were slightly different. So, for example, they sold off, a portion of their um, land uh, around the ground to a property developer who then put in um, a significant amount of money. So th- there are differences, uh, but it, it, it is still a possible solution. And, and Jonathan, I'm sure, will uh, back me up on this, that you know it is still possible that the supporters' um, solution could work at the, t- at the time when we were doing it, it was always a last resort and always a sort of apocalypse plan or emergency plan. Um, it's still there if we need it. Um, would would the fans want that plan just for two years to buy us some time? You know, you say you, say you would. I don't know the answer to that, really. Um, Portsmouth had the club for five, six years and then sold it to a very wealthy Disney individual. And in fact, the fan investors uh, got a lot, got quite good value for their money uh, in terms of a return. That that wouldn't be the case with the supporter solution necessarily. Um, obviously, they've pledged for rewards rather than a stake in the club. Um, so, so there are differences. Um, in terms of who would, you mentioned who would sort of guarantee um, the two-year running costs. We, we would have to have all of that, you know, to get through honours and directors with the AFL, we would have to have proof of funds for two years and enough money to buy 
the football club. Have we got that? Have we got that in place? Is that ready to go in in in, in the event that the others do not materialise? Do do we have that there ready to go if necessary? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, do we have seven million pounds in the bank? Is that what you're asking me? Uh, well, <laughs> I was more thinking about do we have somebody else who might have seven million pounds who's willing to <laughs> to work very closely with the supporters club? Okay, and um, I mean we myself obviously the supporters solution doesn't just include the supporters club. Jonathan's involved as well, and we we've been speaking to the council and we spoke to local. Uh, business investors, local people who are Wigan fans, who are, you know, interested in saving the football club. Um, if you're asking, do we have £7 million immediately and everything that we need? Um, we don't have everything, um, but we certainly can, um, you know, mobilise a solution. That, that's, that's probably the best I can say. I don't know if Jonathan wants to add anything to that. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just, it's not a uh, solution, but we would much rather have somebody, you know, if Dave Whelan decides to come out of retirement, for example, <laughs> we would much rather have that. Um, I know some fans on Twitter have been saying that the supporters, you know, they would like us to pull it out of uh, administration, support a solution. Again, you know, the supporters club is an organisation that is voluntary um, and we, we're here to try to save the football club. Um, we're not here to necessarily run it for the next five years in in a Portsmouth way, really. Um, but we, you know, we, we would be. We, we just don't want to see it disappear, and that's why we raised the money in the first place. And uh, we we also raised the money to get a voice for the fans, of course. So if any new owner was still receptive to that, we would still speak to them on that matter. I think Adam, if we had. The necessary funding. If we had three million pounds to buy the football club from the stadium, and the funding to operate and fund the losses for the next two years, uh, in line with uh, what would be approved by the EFL, then I think we would probably, without hesitation, uh, provide a solution and get out of administration uh, and and at least buy time and and operate the football club. As other, as other clubs have done uh, as a supporters' trust model or a, a similar um, uh, vehicle um, and and then potentially, you know, look for new buyers in the future. We haven't, unfortunately, we haven't got that funding to do it. If we, if we did um, and we, we continue to have discussions with, with people, we continue to have discussions about how we can achieve that, um, I think it would be a, 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 an acceptable solution for... For the administrators, um, although I can't speak for them, um, and and you know it would provide the football club with a, a supporters' own football club for a period of time, but we just can't do that at the moment, um, and uh, it's a lot of money to raise um, that we haven't been able to do yet. So is that is that when you've been sorry, Carla? Is that one of the things when you say you've been obviously having meetings with people? Is that kind of trying to look at that as an option? Um, you know, in terms of securing somebody who can get on board with the supporters club, is is that one of the things you you know in terms of what you you know you said you've been in constant um, engagement, Jonathan, with different people? Is that looking for 
that funding so you could actually put in a a bid with the supporters club. I think I think as as um, as Caroline said, the the, the the reason that we that we raised the money was was one you know to rescue the club in the, in the situation where there's no potential owners and you know the the only other option is liquidation um, and. and with the funds that we have, I don't know whether we'd, that would be sufficient. Um, and and secondly, if an owner was successful in buying the football club, whether the supporters club would would be able to negotiate a, a stake in the club and and have a voice, place on the board, uh, and a real say in how the football club's operated. Um, if neither of those two uh, are achieved, then then of course people will get the money back. Um, and I'm speaking with the sports club here, which I probably shouldn't be doing, but um, that's how I understand it. And, uh, and and what we're trying to do is, in the situation where there there is no other alternative bidder, and as we've seen, you know, we, we might think we've got a solution, but, but there's always the possibility that we might end up in that situation, um, that we, we, have a, we have a solution. Um, and... We, we are continuing to have those conversations, even when it seemed that, you know, the administrators had secured a, a, a conclusion or were close to it. We've continued to have those conversations. It's difficult because you're talking hypothetically, um, uh, but we are continuing to, to ensure that we've got, you know, we've, we've got a, a, a huge amount of money, um, but unfortunately it's not enough to, um, to provide a solution right now. Yes. Sorry, we don't want, we, you know, like Jonathan said, we've managed to get huge amounts of money, but it's not enough for the whole thing. And so, therefore, that's why we're still seeing it as a plan Z, you know, because it's better for somebody to come in and buy everything and keep everything together and also, you know, um, be able to pay off football creditors and et cetera, et cetera. That's what we want, you know. So, um Non-football creditors, sorry. Um, so, um, so like Jonathan said, we'll continue to try to mobilise the local solution to, to for it to do more. But, um, but at the moment, that's what the money is sort of for for that. But also potentially to get a voice in any any new football club, which we've said all the way through. Yeah, just got one last question. Lisa's dis obviously Lisa's got certain matters to be working on uh, this evening over the pond, maybe. Um, but just just a final kind of more general question, really, because I think this is important for the for the future of football in the sense of governance, really, in terms of. Um, I know Lisa's just alluded to after this finishing there being a big inquiry, but we had the Berry, we had the Berry report, the Jonathan Taylor Berry report. And it seems like lessons were not actually learned from from the Berry situation. Um, and I know this is difficult because the EFL is, is essentially a membership uh, club. But from your perspective, Jonathan, being on the inside, do you think it's time to sort of to take financial decision making? Um, in terms of whatever FFP or or whatever it might be, profit and sustainability rules out of the hands of the clubs, and to have a an independent body that would that would run uh, football, certainly the financial side of uh, of, of football, um, and also run obviously the the um, owners and directors test. 
It's a very good question, Adam. Um, and we're right in the in the, in the eye of a storm, um, and of course, you know, we follow Berry and, and Bolton Wanderers who've who've been in a similar situation. The AFL are in a difficult situation. They've got seventy-two clubs who are their own businesses. Um, they organise the league. They 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 organise the regulations and set the regulations and, and apply those rules. Ultimately, those businesses are owned by individual shareholders uh, and how they choose to operate their business uh, and and risk take risks in their business is ultimately up to them. The the uh, landscape has become a lot more regulated uh, over the last ten years that I've been involved. Uh, which started in the Premier League when we, I remember being sat around the table when Ellis Short at Sunderland said, now we've got this huge broadcasting income increase. We need to do something to protect that that income because you're all going to spend it on on players and salaries, which is what tends to happen. It's, uh, I think Alan Sugar called it a prune juice effect. You know, it, it comes in one end and, and goes out the other, I think. Um, and he he was right. And that was that's where... He talked about, uh, we, we talked about the Premier League, about um, uh, uh, UEFA uh, having uh, FFP rules. And at the time, the EFL had just brought in financial fair play rules. So the, so the Premier League were, were, were quite late to bring in their own uh, salary um, restrictions, but it was a very, very uh, light touch. Um, and they also brought in um, um, profit and sustainability rules. Um that's that's been the topic of conversation in the EFL for the last seven years we've been in. Uh, how we make them stronger, how we protect the clubs. Some clubs don't want to be protected; they want to spend as much money as they can because their owners are, are very very wealthy and they want to get to the Premier League. So every time we have that debate in the Championship, it's split into two. Some clubs don't want any regulation. Some clubs want others. Um, I, I, um, in my last Championship meeting, I, I, I pleaded with clubs based in the situation that we were in to consider, you know, football clubs in general, to consider fans, to consider the tradition of football clubs and, and not, not, not give all that away for the pursuit of the Premier League because it's so important that we do protect football clubs. How we do that is a difficult question. It, it really is. Um, an independent body, that won't be welcomed by the football clubs, you know, making decisions for them. Um, I think it's hard for the EFL with the resources that they've got to 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 approve changes of ownership, um, which they do. Um, but it's it's a time laborious task, and they have to try and predict the future and what people are going to do. And as we've seen with our club, that's very difficult to do. And they can only put in the regulations that's been voted in by the clubs and that's been that's been agreed by the clubs. And the more regulations you put in the owners and directors tests, of course, it makes it more difficult for clubs to sell, for owners to sell the clubs. So it's, it's going to be difficult to get that through uh, owners. Well, that's the problem, I guess, isn't it? Because if, you, if you're if you looking to sell your club in the next year, you're not going to tighten up the owners and directors test because it's going to be... And it, you just wonder whether somehow government need to get involved and take it out of the hands of take it out of hands of football because everyone's judging their own cause, aren't they? they they're always... It's, yeah, but it's, you know, it's very difficult to, to say who's going to be a good owner, who's going to be a bad owner. Um, and and sometimes situations dictate that. Um, if we'd have been promoted in, into the Championship at 18-19, then we'd have all said, I, you see, are fantastic owners. And, you know, but, it, but 
sometimes, you know, situations change and, and funding streams change. And uh, it's, how, do you, how do you foresee that? All the EFL can do is, as I said, apply the regulations, which are there to protect the clubs right now. But also sometimes football clubs are in distress and the owner needs to sell because he can't fund it. Are the EFL going to block those sales because you know the because of the, because of the regulations? There's a, there's a, that's a, a, another way of looking at it because football clubs sometimes get sold because they're going to a better place um, and they're in you know they're in distress because their owners can't afford to run them anymore. It's a it's a very difficult question, Adam, and I'm not going to profess to have the answer. Um, oh, that's and, a good insight. Very good insight. Thank, yeah. Thanks for that, Duncan. Cheers. Uh, ex- excellent, excellent that tonight from from our guests. Um, there's a couple of points there that uh, came up, which gives us hope for optimism. Uh, the best one being Jonathan's prediction that by the end of January we may have new owners. We may have, he said. I know that he said, but it might go. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it that we may have by the end of January. I think all the Lassic supporters really just want to want want, want to hear is that things are moving. Like Lisa said, things are moving on. And uh, hopefully we can uh, we can learn f- from the past few months or the administrators can and, and get things sorted and get us, get us the buyers. Uh, I'm really grateful for you coming on tonight. And I can't wait for the no holds barred one in, uh, in, in February. All <laughs> 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 the new owners at the Elm. Yeah, so I just want to, uh, you know, thank you all, Caroline, Jonathan, Lisa, for taking your time out to record with us today. Hopefully next time we all speak, it will be in much better circumstances, a deal agreed, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, a stake for the supporters club, which would be nice within the club. Uh, Carry on the great work that you're doing. We know we're in, in good hands and we know it's difficult sometimes to be able to say something um, due to the constraints that are in place. But... Onwards and upwards now, I think, is, is probably the message, isn't it? And, and everyone, I think, needs to come together, don't they? And and support what's going on. So, uh, like I say, thank you to you guys. Thank you to my colleagues, again, as uh, as ever. Uh, without further ado, it's, uh, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from everyone's music. Uh, up the ticks.